Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. And he swings, hits it high and deep and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Mountain right! Welcome to the show! And welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. And in today's episode, we have a really, really fun pair of interviews with Griffin Conine and Zach McCambly, both prospects in the Marlins organization. Griffin Conine has been on an absolute heater, which I will get into in a little bit about how well he has been swinging the bat. Zach McCambly, a bit of an up and down start, uh, but has shown flashes of really good stuff. And you can really see what, you know, what the potential is there for what is an extremely talented pitcher and a very smart pitcher as well. And Again, you'll see that through the interview when we get to it. I also want to do a little bit of housekeeping and talk about some of the notable storylines across the minor leagues. Uh, but one one thing I want to point out before I get into these interviews and before we, we kick it over to those interviews, which were recorded over at the ball field when we were on our trip through the South, which was so much fun. And I hope you enjoyed the last episode where we had sit-down conversations with Sal Freelich and Joey Weimer. Those were a pair of awesome conversations. As you know, it's a little bit difficult at the stadium with the audio sometimes. The McCambly audio was very, very solid. Uh, the Griffin Conine audio for him was clear, for me was clear, at times it was a little difficult to hear Jack McMullen, so uh, if it's a little difficult to hear him, I'm sorry about that, but overall, uh, I thought we did the best we could with uh, a, a little bit of background noise, but it was such a cool conversation with Griffin Conine, who, you know, by the way, is hitting since, this is crazy, I, I actually had to like double check the stats here, since April 20th, Griffin Conine is hitting 340, 449, 632. That's a 1,081 OPS and a 180 WRC+. Plus. I mean, the guy's just been locked in uh, really after just what was a bad week to start the season and has just been dynamite since then. So really cool to see Griffin getting it going and, and hearing him talk about, you know, what has been working for him so far this year. He's hitting 281 overall, 369 on base, 514 slugging. 129 WRC plus the strikeout rate continues to drop. So Griffin Conine starting to look like a legitimate prospect for the Marlins. I've said that for a long time. I'm incredibly biased because he's one of my best friends, but uh, it was a fun conversation and I'm looking forward to kicking it over there in a second. First, I want to talk about Grayson Rodriguez because Grayson Rodriguez unfortunately was lifted from a start against the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp in AAA. Uh, he was going four shutout innings and then uh, apparently left with a lat injury. And, and the report from the Orioles is that, you know, obviously they're going to take it very slow with him. And unfortunately, uh, that means he's going to be out for a decent amount of time. And that's going to delay what would seem to be a very soon to be 
uh, enjoyed debut. It seemed like he was going to be called up at least in the next month or so, maybe less than that. And unfortunately, it seems like that's going to be delayed. And I, I ultimately don't think that it's going to have a bearing on Grayson Rodriguez's long-term outlook. Good thing it's not, you know, elbow, shoulder. It's 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 a lat thing. Uh, but it is very, very frustrating because he is one of the best. He is the best pitching prospect in baseball. I've long maintained that he is the best pitching prospect. And I was very excited to see him pitch at the big league level. It's it's a gut punch. I feel for him. I feel for Orioles fans who you know got the excitement with Adley. Figured Grayson wasn't far behind, uh, but ultimately he was very young for the level, so he has plenty of time. And while it is a delay to something that we all were very excited for, at the end of the day, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I'm, I'm hoping this will just be a blip in the radar. And you know, with somebody as prized as Grayson Rodriguez, and with the stakes not being too high for the Orioles right now, I would assume that they are quite fine. Uh, with just taking their time uh, with their prized top prospect here, assuming if we're considering Adley Rutschman uh, graduated very, very soon. Jordan Walker, got to talk about him as a guy that is without a doubt now, I think, making the cases not only a top 15 prospect in baseball, top 10. Multi-home run game now yesterday, and he just continues to hit. And I feel like Jordan Walker, he's got, everyone knows how good he is, but he's not getting that kind of conversation that you would expect for a guy that is just dominating double A as a 20-year-old. He's really a wonderkin. He just turned 20. He was 19 years old for a majority of his production. He turned 20 12 days ago. And over 43 games in double A, he's hitting 321, 429, 543 with six homers, 11 stolen bases, and a 148 WRC plus. 13% walk rate, 23% K rate. I mean, that that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. This guy is starting to look like not only, like I said, not only a top 15, maybe top 10, and could make a case for number one prospect in baseball if he doesn't graduate too quick to get up to number one, meaning I could see him breaking camp with the Cardinals by next year. And if he keeps mashing in double A, we've seen the Cardinals be aggressive. There's not really a need for Walker right now, but if he keeps mashing, you wonder what the timeline's going to be like because he has not blinked at a single level. He continues to mitigate the swing and miss. What does the timeline look like for Jordan Walker? It's a challenge for me to figure out in the best way possible. The defense is better than I thought it would be. There's a lot to like here. Could use some development consistency-wise at third, and I think that's going to be a big thing for him as well uh, and may delay the debut. And also, they also have Nolan Arenado over there. So does he ultimately move to a corner outfield spot, Jordan Walker? Does he move to... First base, no, because they have Paul Goldschmidt, who's fantastic over there. So it's a bit of a interesting uh, situation there because I don't think that the Cardinals ever planned on Jordan Walker forcing his way up this soon. Again, he still has plenty of time and needs plenty more ABs before they bring him up to the big leagues, but I think the timeline has shifted a little bit and they will have to figure some things out at least by 2023 with the way this guy is swinging it. Also, it was really good to see Jack Leiter come out and shove his last outing. He went five innings of, I believe, shutout baseball, eight Ks, if I remember correctly. Very fun to see that. And then Riley Green looks to be getting back in the swing of things, literally just crushing his first home run since returning from injury uh, over in AAA Toledo. So a lot of good things across baseball. But let's get to this interview with both Griffin Conine and then Zach McCambly. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you follow along with these two players because they are two of the nicest guys you're going to find in the minors and two guys that are very easy to root for. 
Last leg of the road trip here, and we saved the best for last. Friend of the show, and now, this is cool. Worlds colliding here, Jack McMullen and Griffin Conine joining us. Fresh off a home run last night. Griff, appreciate you taking the time, man. Absolutely, any, any time. Never, <laughs> never an issue. <laughs> never an issue. Always I'm glad fun. To hear, glad to hear that. So, yesterday was the fourth game in a row that you've homered that I've been at, so I just got to pump myself up a little bit. But what really stood out to me in that game was Jared Schuster was locked in, and, and he's been really tough in the league all year. He got you the first two ABs, and then you go yard to dead center the third AB. I, I feel like that's something that is like a maturity thing that just the more you play, to be able to kind of put those two at-bats away and go yard the third AB, is that something that you feel like has just gotten better for you in terms of being able to like put it away and go into that next AB and keep it fresh? Uh... Yeah, I think so for sure. I think also, as you get older, you start to like learn how to learn from the pitcher as the game goes along. I think I used to be a lot more introspective, like meaning I would look at what's going on with me rather than like what he's trying to do to me, and like I'd be too one-dimensional in that sense. So like learning what his fastball is going to do, what it looks like, and then like you know I saw a lot of him. First at bat, I saw a lot of them second at bat. So like by the third time, you're like, if you're not on time, then like there's an issue there. So finally got on time and, and uh, was able to barrel one pretty solidly. I feel like especially in this game, when you're in uncomfortable situations, it's easy to just like rely on instincts and not really take the moment to think through games, think through bats. Do you feel like the game of baseball over the last couple of years, even, you know, from high A to double A, has like slowed down for you a little bit? Where you can see what Jared Schuster is trying to do to you and adapt through the course of a game? Yeah, there's definitely there's a lot more thinking now than there used to be, which like a lot of people obviously when you're hitting well like you're thinking less, and that's like that's true I would say about your actual swing, but you're always thinking you always have to be thinking like pitcher it's like a chess match especially as you get higher and higher in the levels you can't just rely on raw talent and ability to to play for you and I think that's why that's why some guys like break through over more talented guys because they can play the mental game they know how to like win the chess match so. Yeah, definitely a lot more active thinking throughout the game. Always studying pitchers, always studying patterns, and uh, that's probably been a big difference this year is, is seeing that, being able to execute it. How do you get better at that? Um, there's a lot of ways. I mean, I think the more the more you rely on video and studying, and that's how you get confidence. I think the more I see a pitcher, and the more I can pick up on stuff, but also like things like meditation and slowing the game down and breathing they're important too but those like those a lot of times get swept under the rug because like you want to focus on more things that are happening right now but if you can add that part and be able to kind of use it when you need it that's I think a lot of big league studs are able to do that well that's really interesting because again we were talking to Joey Weimer and he said he totally disconnects from baseball when he leaves the ballpark do you feel like that's you know meditation even before you get to the ballpark is, is good for you and you know making sure you get a good night's sleep and you're taking care of your body at 8 a.m. when you wake up that's that's the best thing for you yeah yeah all of the above I think like what like Weimer said too though like it's important to to leave it here as much as you can I don't think I'm never going to be this much just like <laughs> no, he no says way. he completely turns it off. That's impressive to do. Um, I'm not the same in that way. But I think that the more you can, the more you'll be able to last in, like throughout the season. You talk about the chess match. 
you've been winning the chess match as much as ever through May. You know, this has been a really awesome month to watch you play. W what has clicked for you in May um, through some of the best stretch stretches we've seen from you in a while? And it seems like you're just more comfortable from the walk pers pers uh, perspective, the strikeout perspective, using the whole field, and then adding in the power. It seems like you have that more well-rounded approach. What connected for you in May? Um, I'm definitely I'm seeing a lot more pitches this month, like a lot more. And obviously they're starting to, um, you know, I had a slow start, so they're kind of attacking me often. And also we faced Rocket City a good amount, and they have a lot of good arms. Which is crazy, um, by the way, because that wasn't the case last year, right? Yeah, it's a complete 180, but um, after, yeah, after I started to swing it a little better, I think they, they started to be a little more careful with pitches, and that allowed me to see more and more pitches, and then... Um, yeah, just better takes, honestly, better takes on tougher pitches, and then when you can do that, you know you're seeing it, you know you're seeing it deep, you know you're seeing it late, but also, you know, being and staying on time, so, um, biggest difference there is just, I've been walking a lot more this month, swinging, I feel like less, and, uh, yeah, just make, making them count when they come in the zone. Who are some of the most talented pitchers you've seen so far this year? Because obviously Schuster was very good yesterday. We beat him there. Um, I know you guys saw Silseth for a couple of uh, starts with Rocket City in the early goings. Who are some of the other guys that jump out to you? Um, yeah, Rocket City had a few. Uh, Kai Bush, you said, right? Kai Bush was, was really good. Really good. He just... Like we were, he didn't miss a spot, it seemed, for like six innings. on Because we had the track man set up in the dugout on an iPad so we can see the zone. And every time I checked, he was hitting a corner of the zone, it seemed like. That's ridiculous. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, I think we, he shut us out through like six. And then and then I actually rolled one to the second baseman weekly, and he didn't cuff, he didn't get over in time. So I got a hit out of it. <laughs> and their manager, like, blew a gat. He was so pissed. Because he, like, he wanted his guy. It would He would have got out of it with a shutout. So that scored a run, I and mean, then I think he might have given up one more. Um, but yeah, he was, like, that was crazy. He didn't, just was painting, like, painting different spots. Wasn't missing. Like, I would get 2-0, and I'd be like, all right, like, here, just kind of gear it up. And then, like, he would just <laughs> dot one down and away. Like, nothing I could, couldn't even put it in play, probably. And I was just like, and then next one would be, like, banger, curveball, foul it off. And then you're like, 2-2, just like that. When you were just in, like, a 2-0 about to get one, get get your best one off. So he did that a lot. He was good. And then um, he hit someone else too. Brett Carey. Brett Carey was mad. Was that, that's a high spin fastball, yeah, right? Like the Brett first Carey. time he had 11 Ks 11 through four. 11 Ks through four. And, and I was like, figuring out. I was like, what is happening? Because I'm coming up with the box score. Full disclosure, no offense to Brett Carey. I just was not familiar with Brett Carey. Right. Um, and I'm watching K on the play-by-play. -play. K. K, K, K. So I'm yeah. like, I gotta throw this game on. And every fastball was on a line. And we were talking about that again when we were in Biloxi with the guys there about how each org has the way that they attack you. Um, and, and like you said, in the early going, you know, the trash pandas gave you some trouble because those guys were locked in and you hadn't really seen much from them. Right. Uh, last year, it was the Rays that were really difficult, right? And that's still difficult, but you've swung it pretty well against them this year. Would you say even even through the struggles of last year in Double A, just having those games under your belt against the Rays org and against some of these other orgs where you're playing them six days in a row, you kind of know organization to organization how they're going to attack you. Would you say that that's helped you now in your second stint in Double A? Yeah, I think I think uh, definitely understanding that like there's org wide like there's there's 
strategies consistent throughout the entire work. So like every level will like, they have different arms, but they all seemingly will do the same thing. Um, and it's just understanding that. Because I think like in your head, sometimes you think like every pitcher is different, this guy's unique, like he's his own person. But like at the same time, like he's still getting orders. Like yeah. he's taking orders from a coach. That's like, we're gonna call games this way, we're gonna treat this hitters this way. So learning that and like learning to like kind of accept it. Like you can't be, you know, sitting middle in on a guy that's two seam and shows that like they're gonna go away with everything. You can't, uh, so just molding your plan in that way. Cause then I think a lot of times I, I wouldn't do that last year and wouldn't be getting a pitch that I'm looking for. And it's a lot harder to hit when you're getting pitches that you're not looking for, even if they're good ones to hit. So definitely adjusting in that way and learning, uh, learning what to, what to look for. So you're walking as much as ever, as you mentioned, and uh, you know we're, we're seeing you make as much contact, whether you look at like zone contact, any metric, it's as good as it's been for you. Um, the power is still there, obviously, as well. Uh, and, the, and the strikeout rate is dropping, and you know that that's the topic that everyone's always going to bring up because there's no questions on your, your ability to hit it out of the yard. So you know, how do you find the balance of you know, getting those walks, but also picking your spots to be the guy who you are. And that's the guy who finished second in the entire minor leagues and home runs last year. You know, how do you find that balance of, I don't want to expand the zone and, you know, I still want to hit my home runs and pick my spots. Uh, you know, is, is that a difficult juggle or do you feel like that's part of the reason why you've been successful? Kind of, you found that balance. Um, yeah, I would say I've found it per se, but I think like I'm getting closer in the sense of like, it comes down to, I think, just being selective, but, like, sticking to a plan, like, not not wavering just when they, you know, they might land a pitch that you weren't expecting, but, like, not just being like, all right, we're going to... Doesn't mean the approach doesn't We're going to flip to this yes. now because uh, now, now the plan changes. It's, like, sticking to it and trusting it and then um, trusting you'll make a mistake, which, like, you know, these guys will. And, like, when they're on, they're on, and sometimes they don't. You know, Kai Bush didn't make a mistake that game, well, really. I look at your first at-bat last game, 3-2. We, we were sitting there watching. You're fouling off pitches. You look you look good. You miss a double down the line by about, like, six inches, and then he spins a curveball, 3-2. Yeah. Like, that's one where you're like, you can't fault yourself, right? I mean, like, that's just a that's just a good yeah. executed pitch. That a lot of – one thing I will say is just our – the hitting coach in AAA, Phil Plantier, he always, I didn't have a lot of time to work with him in spring training, but one thing that stuck with me was he would always say, uh, he was big on just like, end the at-bat. Like, end it end it as soon as you can. Like, you don't want to like, obviously like going deep into a bat-bat is good, making the guy work, but what he meant by that is like, if you get a pitch to hit, like, don't foul it off. Like, fuck, like you put it in play, you know? Like, put it in play hard. And like, that's where I would answer with that was like, I felt like there was a couple I should have, you know, the ones I fouled off, I thought, you know, I should have, if I stayed through it more, that bat would have been over. Yeah. Don't give him a chance to land the 3-2 curve. That's because you're right. That's that's a pitch that it's really hard to like put a good swing on. <laughs> um, so I would have said, you know, I was beat myself up just for the sense that like good at bat. I got to see a lot of his pitches, which is good, um, but would have liked to have ended it four or five pitches before, you know, on one of those pitches I thought I should have hit, so. How quick can you end with that snap? Like, if, you, if you go down, you know, via strikeout, like, how quickly can you shed that and just get ready for Yeah, I think that's been better this year, too. Um, there's definitely, like, a process to it. Like, got to have some kind of uh, evaluation that goes on in the head, just, like, figure out what went wrong like whether it was just like simply pitch selection simply like 
sometimes that is all it is. There's like, or he made good pitches, and sometimes there's like, maybe I wasn't making the right move. You know, like my my, my move to the ball felt a little off. It's like I missed a pitch I should have hit. So, but once I once I make the, it happens pretty quick, like five minutes, and then whatever the conclusion is of that, that's when it's flush. And then it, if it's the wrong move, then like that's that'll be the next next at bat. I'm like that's my only focus. Like get back to the swing, get back to the move. And then if it's the pitch selection, then there's really nothing left to think about. Just get better pitches, see better pitches. I find that so interesting because it's it's almost like concentrated reps, right? If you go in thinking about one thing as opposed to I gotta do 20 things right, right. you say I'm focusing on one thing that I did poorly. Let me correct that one thing and don't worry about another thing next time. Right. Have you found yourself like? It, have you found it almost getting easier for you to make tangible corrections quickly now that you can kind of like isolate those one thoughts and then just immediately correct them? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the less, less is more is obviously thinking wise. Like if you can get down to one cue as a hitter, I think that's the dream. Like just one thought, whether it's like, um, whether it's like uh, something in like something in your backside, something in your load, or like. If there's one thought, that's all you have to do to get you on time. Then like, you're gonna. That's when you're going well. And it, and when when it becomes a few thoughts, that's like. That just means that you're kind of like your body's off, your sequencing's off. Like if you're thinking about like, my back hip, staying back, but also my hands at the same time. That's when you like run into problems. That's when you get in between. Cause like, it's too much. Like you're thinking about those two, and you're thinking about pitch coming in making a decision that's so like, the analysis paralysis right there yeah right? It's, it, it becomes a lot and you can feel that too as a hitter you're like you're like panicking like Did you you're feel almost like, like short you were like that at times last year yeah i mean even even this year early like i felt like it was just uh when you like when you slump bad like that's bound to happen because like because what happens is like two things go wrong like you're swinging at bad pitches but also the like, good ones you're not making the right swings that's usually what a slump looks like because if if you're swinging at bad pitches, but you're still putting good swings on good pitches, right. you probably you're gonna be all right. Yeah, like you might yeah. be swinging. You're Tim and Anderson. Missing, but... Yeah, exactly. you're doing quite fine. <laughs> yeah. So when it's when it's two issues, then like that's when it just starts to balloon, and like you gotta step back and change something. You know, change yeah. the routine and BP, whatever it is, or change the thought, but make a change. One of the last questions for me, from me, because I know you're hitting cleanup today and got a game to get to, yeah. but uh, yeah, who do you watch? I, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I'm always fascinated because I think it changes a little bit. There's new guys that you pick up on. I know you're a big fan of, of watching the best at what they do, because you do the same thing, and how do they do it, and trying to figure that out. Uh, who are the guys that you really enjoy to watch? Maybe if there's a couple obvious ones, who's maybe a lesser known name that you like to watch and are impressed by his moves and, and kind of take note of it? Um, yeah, that's a good one. I should have more time to prepare. Ah, sure. Uh, I should have briefed you. I mean, I will say... Yeah, we, well, yeah, we emailed you the questions last night to your pinecrest.edu email. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm slightly locked out of that one. Um, I mean, you guys were with me last night when I, I watched Trouts, and I watched it probably a hundred times after that. <laughs> you watched it a hundred times after Something that? Something like that. Just like I was... Trout always, Trout always, just because like anytime he hits a home run, it's like picture perfect. Like that's what you, <laughs> that's like always what you want is to like look like my Trout, look like that. Like he always sticks his position, he always holds his balance. Like it's impressive. So like that guy, I'll always stop to watch. Um, is there a lefty that stands out to you? Yeah, I mean lately Jock, just because he's Jock. been he's been going crazy and like I really like the moves he makes in his swing as well. He's got like he's such a flowy rhythmy guy, but at the same time like 
really, really efficient, like, once he makes his move, which is, like, that's fun to watch. So, so, so we talked about this on the Just Baseball show, and we were like, so Jock said that he got a cue from Barry Bonds and a conversation, and, yeah. and then he hits the three home runs and then hits another home run the next day, so, like, four and, like, five at-bats. We were saying, I'm sure the cue helped, but also maybe a little bit placebo. I feel like you're the best person to ask for this, or at least the best person available right now. How much of that do you think was actually the cue helping somebody like that as a hitter? Or how much of it do you think was just, I just talked to the best hitter in the world ever of all time, and he gave me some advice. I'm just going to, I feel good. How much of it do you think was mental? How much of it do you think was actually a cue that helped him? As much as I've, like, listened to Barry and, like, listened to him talk about hitting, like, I would say the first one. Like, it was probably fully the cue. Wow. Or it could have been. I mean, I'm sure, obviously, it's Barry, so, like, the placebo plays into it, but, yeah. like, just the, the stuff he knows and the stuff, like, I've learned from him, just from hearing him talk about, like, and, like, little pieces, like, mostly that you have to decode. Like, this is him directly telling Jock something. Yeah, if he's, if he's looking you in the and eyes. And I bet it was something really, really good. Because, <laughs> like, it's Barry, dude, and... I wish I really would wish I would know what that was, but obviously not privy to that type and, of information. And what's crazy is the fantasy football story's taking precedent right now. Yeah. What is when it's all clicking for you and you put it all together, what does Griffin Conine look like as a baseball player? What does he look like? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Like, is it a bunch of home runs and, and you know, still a little bit of swing and miss? Is it a, a balance across the board? Like, oh, you know, oh. what's the goal of, of, of you know, who you want to be as a finished product, I guess? Um, yeah, I would say, like, a balance. Like, 30, like 35 doubles, 35 homers. I got to I gotta work on the doubles. But I think just more line drives, more line drive oriented. And then, like, you'll get the... The you'll get the you'll get the homers like that are true fly balls. Um, but I think that's different been different this year too. Like I, I think if you pulled my line drive percentage, it'd be crazy higher. You, you've already you're way up on the doubles and triples um, compared yeah. like relative to last year per game. On a per game basis, you're hitting way more doubles and triples. Uh, so w would you say that you know before you were a little bit more like I want to hit the ball 450 feet. Now it's more. I can hit doubles, and I'm strong enough where those doubles will turn into homers. I don't. It wasn't even count. Like I wanted to hit line drives last year. I think I was just like I had certain hitches like in the swing that wouldn't allow me to do that. So just like changing some stuff, making it simpler, um, taking out some extra moves, and that makes it the path like smaller, but like more true to the ball instead of kind of like kind of like this loopy yeah. where like I would catch it would get great backspin but I was hitting balls like 45 launch and my average launch if you could pull that was probably I don't know 10 20 degrees higher than this year it feels wow. like because I like I couldn't remember any like very few head high liners that I hit like I think I already had more this year than I did all of last year just because like that was the swing. the swing was up here instead of instead of here so obviously I, we, we like this but the default <laughs> The default has to be here so the misses can land. The misses can be hits. Last year, the misses were not, never hits. They're always out. So, um, cheap hits are, you gotta get cheap hits to have a good average. You have to. No one can hit 300 and only hit line drives. You gotta get the cheapies. So. Not even, not even Wander Franco. Not even Wander Franco. You can't, you gotta hit the bloops, man. And that's what, that's what good hitters do, so. Just, just being able to mix in some bloopers here and there helped a lot. Yeah, thank you, dude. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. Let's make it five homers in a row. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to catching you in the cleanup spot tonight. All right. Can't wait. We're here with Zach McCambly now, fresh off of a 
dynamite bullpen because we're recording right on the uh, right on the right field line, and we got to watch a little bit of you throwing over there. It looked like you felt really good. You said you felt really good. Yeah. What were you working on in that pen? Dude, change-ups. Just working on straight getting through the ball, um, learning to adapt with the new ball, like treating my, my bullpens more game-like because whatever I'm getting out there, I want to feel the same exact thing when I'm during practice. Obviously, you practice, you practice like you play, so... Um, just trying to focus in on keeping my focus, uh, being locked in there, and um, just commanding all my pitches, really getting getting all my pitches over the plate, making them competitive. Not really worrying if they're like a strike or not. Yeah. Kind of just more worrying about like getting it in the box, getting it in the zone, whether that's breaking ball, obviously fastball command, but then with the changeup as well. Like what I've learned, especially for, like from some of the guys, is like it doesn't have to be a strike every single time. It has to look like a strike, yeah. and that's the difference. Be yeah. competitive with all your pitches. I love talking to guys about their bullpens because a lot of guys approach their bullpens in very different ways from everybody else where, you know, you, if you, you need that type of day where you're going at 60%, 70%, you just want to get the feel for something, you do so. Other guys are balls to the wall. I'm, I'm ripping it for 40 pitches here. Right. Does it change for you, bullpen to bullpen, what you want to do, what you want to focus on? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I, I like to, I like to get off the mound as much as I can, get off the slope. For me, I feel like playing catch isn't enough for me, yeah. um, especially a guy that spins the ball, a breaking ball type of guy. I like to feel the slope underneath me. Um, so like today, I threw like 30 pitches, um, kind of like high intensity, I'd say, more like game, like I would say. Um, but then on Tuesday, I'll, I'll probably get after like a 10-pitch bullpen. Nothing crazy, kind of more of like a touch and feel, just getting – like getting my mechanics set up and stuff because you know that's where you do your work as a pitcher um in my opinion I, f I feel like growing i feel like growing up i didn't do that as much uh, i started doing it more in pro ball though like getting off because you don't have to worry about school and stuff anymore so now you literally <laughs> only have to worry about being on that mound that's that's how i look at it and that's how i feel like i'm at my best when i'm getting off of it most of the time so obviously you've probably gotten better as a professional pitcher being in professional baseball where again you don't have to worry about that rinky dig physics class that you got to walk to at 8 a.m on a tuesday um but i'm curious how you feel like you've transformed as a professional athlete because your checklist when you wake up for a day is probably all physical right it's i gotta lift i gotta you know run poles i gotta do something like that how have you transformed your body how have you transformed as an athlete Dude, it's been like a wild change, honestly, um, going from college to here. I love this more just because of when you're. Let's be honest, a lot of student athletes, they want to go. They they want to go to play their sport. They're not necessarily going to be a, a doctor or something, right? Which is totally fine. That's not the way I wanted to go. But for me, it was always baseball. So now that I finally get to do that every day, you know, I'm grateful for it and it's awesome. You know, you get to come to this park. It's freaking beautiful every <laughs> single day. Um, but yeah, like just in turn, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that a lot of people don't necessarily get. Obviously, you two know what it's like. You guys know. You guys talk to a lot of guys. You know um, what we do throughout the week. You talk to Griff a lot. So, but it's a lot of stuff. You don't just go out there and throw every sixth day, fifth day. There's a lot of stuff that leads up to it. You know, your lifting schedule and your eating and everything. It's real. And learning how to be a professional now, especially at the double A level, for from what I've been told and what I'm learning, it's all mental. It's not necessarily about like your physical abilities anymore. Obviously, you know you have guys that throw 100 and stuff, but it's all a cat and mouse game in your mind, and that's what separates you and gets you to the big leagues is your your mental your mental strength. So something I, I notice on the physical side is is on the mound working a little bit quicker with your with your windup uh, yeah. than before. Can you talk a little bit about that side of things and uh, you know what you've been working on just mechanically? Uh, mostly looks the same, but some tweaks I think going into this year. 
Yeah, uh, I like the up tempo. I like I like the pace. You know, there's times when I can get a little fast, and uh, my coaches tell me to slow down a little bit. So I've I've kind of tried to slow my wind up down a little bit. Um, but for me, it's about being athletic out there. Me, I feel like I'm in my most athletic, and I'm not thinking about things when I'm moving at a pace that I want to move. So when I'm out there, I feel like I'm and I'm rolling. I feel like I'm unstoppable because my pace is just go, go, go. Like Schuster that was last night. Schuster last night. Schuster, oh he gosh. works even faster than me, and I know I work fast, and I like that. I like I like he, keep, he keeps the game going, and it keep, it's less thinking in your head, and it's just compete, just go. We need a Schuster-McCambly matchup for the first under-one-hour baseball game Dude. <laughs> of all time. Dude, yeah. Like I said, I've, I don't know Jared that, that well at all, really. I played I played in the Eco games with him, but I've always like respected what he's done and stuff. He's always had that that competitive edge out there you know when you don't throw 98 you got to have other stuff you got to be able to compete so I feel like we both do that pretty well we were just talking about this before you walked over because you know pitchers get hurt more often than hitters right for the most part you've stayed healthy throughout your professional career and I feel like that is a big testament to how athletic you are on the mound right and athleticism in turn creates repeatability in right. your mechanics and repeatability means that you're you're not going to do anything out of whack and you're not going to get hurt here so right. how much do you credit like your athleticism and your ability to be flexible and be consistent on the mound to staying healthy yeah i think a little bit has to do with athleticism but i also really think it has to do with all like the work that I come in and put in every day you know you don't get you don't just you're not just naturally well some people are naturally flexible but like I work on being flexible every day I come in I do the same routine every day um you know I I get after in the weight room when I'm when I'm in there I take everything really serious when I'm in the moment I'm serious about what I'm doing when I'm just cutting up with the guys different story obviously you know what I'm saying but like when you're in the moment and something when you come to work every day like it should be like all right you're clocking in get all your stuff done um, and I think we do, as a team, we do a really good job of that, everybody. Everybody has their That's own awesome. routine that they do to get ready for the game. Um, and, yeah, I really just think it, it just comes down to, like, how, you know, I take really good care of, of my arm with the arm care. I'm, I'm on it all the time. So um, I can't control injuries. So I'm just going to let my athleticism and, and, and trust in what I do every week uh, just lead lead me forward. I want to stay on what you just said for a moment because, you know, obviously you're getting your stuff done. It's it's a work day, right? But when you don't really have stuff to do, I, I see you kind of hanging around and smiling a lot. It seems like you love being around the ballpark and being around teammates and just like soaking in baseball. Has the love of the game ever started to dissipate for you or have you always just loved baseball and loved being a baseball player? That's a great question. Wow. I love baseball just too much. I love it. It's it's, it's just it's a great. Answer. It's it's <laughs> too much. It's my life, man. Like I've never known anything else really. And you know, getting to come here and get paid for it a little bit, and <laughs> and like to be around the guys. Like I'm around talent, like serious talent right now, man. Like yeah. I'm around Conine. I'm I'm around Yuri Perez. Perez. Like that's a young prodigy, man. Like I'm around Dave Island, who has won two World Series rings with the Yankees. I. I was a Yankees fan growing up. I he walked out in 09 to give Mariano Rivera the ball or whatever, man. Like he he there's so much knowledge in that guy's head and and everyone around here I'm just trying to soak up as much as I can because you never know what you're what's going to happen in your career when when you get done playing. You, you know, it's good to make good connections and it's good to for me, that's what it is. I, it's it's really good to make connections with people because it's always it does it it doesn't hurt to be nice to people and just have a good time, man. Seriously, people so, can come here and suck the life out of it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, that's what happens. And it seems like this, I've talked to, with Griff about it, it seems like this group is, is a really fun group of guys that, that seems to get along really well. And, and I know Griff has said this is the most fun he's had on the field. Uh, so that's really cool to see as well. See so you guys really enjoying yourself, you know, while playing. And up until this little stretch where you guys had about like five days of not playing, you guys were, were red hot and in first yeah. place. So usually it goes hand in hand. Um, I want to get into your grips real quick and we'll have you like hold the ball up and see if we can probably zoom in uh, when we do the post-production. Yeah. But I want to get real quick before we get to that, Yuri Perez, you said young prodigy. And honestly, that's not even like Spot a, on. that's not even hyperbolic. He's what, six foot eight? Like six, seven. I live six, with him. Seven. He's my roommate. Okay. So like, did, did, they, the, did you guys have to adjust like the, the the door frames and did he need a custom bed or something? Well, yeah, he still. I mean, he still sleeps on that <laughs> that that twin bed they gave us, which is crazy. But uh, which he hang his ankles yeah. hang off and stuff. But like, you should see like when we're in the kitchen together, like at the end of the day, like when we come home from the games, dude. Like, you can't help but just like stare up at him because we're like we're in the, we're all in the same kitchen, right? We're all we got like six guys to a place, so it's like. He takes up a lot of space, but he's awesome, dude. Like, what, dude's a freak. What makes him so good? Uh, you know, other than being six foot six, six seven, and, and being able to, to repeat his mechanics well, but like, what stands out to you as, as a pitcher appreciating, you know, another really talented pitcher? This is what I like about it. This is the perfect answer for that question. When he does, when things go bad for Yuri, and he's 19, he's 19 years old. Yeah. When things go bad for him, he doesn't let it. It doesn't phase him, man. He could go out and give up five runs one week, and the next week, well, the next first of all, the next day be the same guy, which is really important in yeah. this game to be the same guy every day coming in here. But to also come back and be better the next start, yeah. like it doesn't matter. He he has it. He bounced he, back every time. He I has that too. He has the mentality, and he's and he he's basically a sophomore in college, man. He's <laughs> yeah. a sophomore could, in college. Could you imagine if he was in college? No, <laughs> I, I can't. Like. I remember being a sophomore, like, he's failing for the first, and he's not even failing, let's put it that way. Yeah. He's not failing that much. But, like, he's seen some adversity for the first time in his career, like, in double-A baseball. That's just, like, a statement in itself. And right still, there. like you said, bounce back, and he's still Dominated. one of the league leaders in strikeouts, swinging strike percentage, you name it. And it's and I get to watch that every day, man. I'm the, I'm the guy that, that charts him. I throw the days after him. So I've charted him every game this year, every single game. And he, he's incredible. He's freaking incredible and a great kid. Seriously, it's awesome, kid, man. So you think realistically this guy could be one of the next best pitchers in the game? Dude, absolutely, bro. Yeah, absolutely. I swear. I'm not just saying it because nah, he's my teammate. I know. I know. No, guys, roomie. baseball players. When you get to this level, no one, no one's, you know, no one's blowing smoke anymore. Right. You know, it's, right. it's you call it space. You say he's talented, or you leave it at that. You right. know, but no one's saying stuff like that. One thing I will say though, and again, I try not to be too hyperbolic with the prospect analysis as well. And I will say your breaking ball is one of the best in the minor leagues, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I will, I will say that. I I, the that. one I sent you on Instagram Hell when we yeah. were when we were on the uh, backfields, I got to see you throw a few, and that that I already knew it. But that solidified it for yeah. me. It was I laughed out loud. And I felt bad because I didn't want to be rude to the guy swinging and missing. It's quiet on the backfields. But after you <laughs> threw that, I, I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. Can you show us real quick, you know, your grip on the breaking ball? And then I would love to see how you adjusted your grip on the changeup and, and, you know, what, what the feel is for you now. Yeah. You can kind of hold it up like George H.W. Bush. All I right, like that meme. Right. And just <laughs> cool. Um, so basically, you know, I have you got, you got the two seams right here for a two seam. I pretty much lay my middle finger right on this seam. I want to hook this seam almost right here. And then I just put my thumb underneath across these two seams here, right there. And then I lay my pointer finger right next to that. And then I hold it just like this. It's almost like I've, I've, I've talked to guys and it's almost like a, a sinker pitch uh, for some guys. Like people hold their sinker like this, but for me, I'm 
I'm I'm holding it like this. My wrist is this way, and if I want more of a 12-6 action to it, I'll throw it like that. I'll get on top of it. Is there like a wrist pronation? Yeah. Or? For me, for me, everything is about the wrist. Really. Everything for me is about the wrist because you can manipulate your pitch. Yeah. If you hold, if you release the ball like this, it's gonna sweep more. It's gonna come more that way. If you release the ball like this, it's obviously gonna be more 12-6. So when I'm out there. I throw two different breaking balls, dude. I've I've been yeah. doing it for a while. I've been able to get good at, um, you know, manipula manipulating the pitches. Um, but yeah, basically just a simple grip. The thumb is really important, keeping it underneath. That's really important, and then just ripping it as hard as I can at guys' faces. <laughs> like ripping it at yes. guys' faces. Literally trying to rip it at people's faces, at people's then, bodies, because that's when you're trusting it the most. Yeah. That's where that's if I have a feeling of the ball where I can rip it at somebody's face and I can get it to come into the zone, I know that I have it for the whole day. I can throw it wherever I want. And it's all about your eye levels and what you're doing, obviously. So there's a lot of fat coming. And I know a lot of guys, when they're first learning a curveball, especially, but you hear it with a breaking ball, too. It's almost like that motion of turning a doorknob. Like, right. opening that doorknob, do you feel like you're starting to turn that and let it let it rip a little bit? Yeah, so, okay. so really, I'm just trying to just stay on top of it. For me, and also, going back to the balls, yeah. it's about having a grip on the baseball. It's about being able to, for me, I keep it really deep in my hand, all my pitches. Um, I don't know why, I just have always held a ball like that. Like even my fastball, I hold my fastball, spread, fingers spread out and kind of like deep in my hand like that. So for me, if my, in order for my pitches to be effective, I want to, I want to feel like really snug in my hand almost. Okay. Um, without choking it though, how do you? Without, without, well no, almost choking it. Wow. Me and Max, me and Max Meyer, we talked about this a couple times because I don't know if you've ever seen the way Max holds his fastball, no. but Max holds his fastball literally like chokes this, like chokes, yeah, like literally chokes And talk about out. another slider that's yeah. top notch. Yeah, yeah, dude's ridiculous. We already know about Max, but right. yeah, so it, it's just interesting to see how every pitcher is different. Because some, Yuri, Yuri will hold his fastball like his this. His fingers are probably like, he could probably wrap his fingers yeah. around it. That's how, uh, that's how Tyler Glass now is told to hold his fastball. It's like almost like you're holding an egg, right? Yes. Like that's I, I feel like you, that's got to be so hard to like control for but some it's, people. It's with guys with huge hands. Yeah, exactly. I'm the opposite. I don't have huge hands. I don't have long fingers. So I'm more of a guy that has to keep the ball deep in my hand. I have to do it. As for changeup, kind of just simple. Just keep it like this again with the seams. I'm trying to throw it off my ring finger. Jeez. I got my pinky on the seam here. Uh, the ring finger down there, right there. And what I'm thinking, honestly, from what I've been told now, I've been told that I try to guide it too much. Okay. So um, for me, it's just getting a feel for just throwing it like my fastball. Ripping it and trusting Ripping the grip. It. And also, again, going back to the wrist. If your wrist is like this when you're trying to throw a, a changeup, Oh, it's it's not going to work, dude. Yeah. It's all the wrist. Every pitch is all the wrist, I swear. Come down on it. Make sure you're getting out on it. And then, and then naturally, at the end, you pronate regardless. And then naturally, your your ring finger and your middle finger are going to be the last fingers to touch, that's awesome. touch the baseball. Yeah. I love exactly. that. Any other? I, that, that's all. I was most excited for the pitch, for the pitches and it's the grips. Great. Any final thoughts from you, Jack? You're the pitching guy over yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I guess my thoughts here, um, just to wrap, I'm thinking, what is the best version of Zach McCandley look like? Because we talk about baseball being cyclical, we talk about pitching being cyclical. You know, we've got some guys where, yes, it's like Dylan C's where you're spinning the crap out of the fastball and you have this tight breaking ball, but Fraver Valdez is also killing it right now. He's, you know, sinker curveball too. What does Zach McCandley in his peak and what does Zach McCandley, who's a couple of years into a major league career, look like? Man, I. 
I think I'm, I'm just learning every day more how to be like a real pitcher. Um, you know, I, for me, I've always been like a power pitcher almost, like a fastball breaking ball. And, you know, I was talking to my coordinator the other day, and he was like, once guys, I see guys a turn in their career, once guys learn to be less of a power pitcher and more of a pitcher. Like, yeah. you know, being able to be able to sequence guys, being able to read hitters, what they're doing. I've never done that. Dude, I never even threw a changeup until I got to double A. <laughs> Ever. Like, I never you didn't threw, need to. I didn't throw a changeup really in high A. I didn't throw a changeup in college at all. Zero changeups in high school. I threw one changeup in high school and I gave up a home run my Dude, freshman year. Never again. Never, ne- again. never, never won again. again. So, yeah, it's just it just comes down to me. It's nothing about my physical abilities anymore. It's it's just tapping into to being mentally locked in and feeling like you're you're giving your all every single pitch. I want to feel like I got hit like a bus at the end of that my outing. <laughs> I that, love that. That's that's and like the whole body too, right? Not just the upper body. The whole you body. Feel like that, you know, waist down. Too. You want to feel ment- you, your your brain needs to feel, you know, fried. <laughs> Uh, you know, your body needs to feel exhausted. That's how you know you gave your all. That's how I know, you know, if I'm going out there once a week, I want to, I want to, I want to feel that way. I want to be able to say I went out there and for my once a week and gave my team a chance to win, right? But the best Zach McCamley version of myself yeah. is a guy who just fills up the zone and, you know, gets after guys with high tempo. Sounds that, like a good pitcher. Yeah, yeah dude. Sounds like that, a really good one. That's, that's, that's what I'm doing, man. And, and it looks like it over the last handful of starts, man. So thanks so much for the for the time and really looking forward to seeing you continue to develop on the mound, continue to shove, and more of that changeup. I'm yeah, excited dude. to see more of that changeup, man. I appreciate yes, you. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed those two interviews with both Griffin Conine and Zach McCambly, two top 30 prospects in the Marlins organization, and two guys that, as you can tell, very humble, very soft-spoken, and very thoughtful players that I think will carve a big league role out for themselves uh, in the future because of that. Now, because of the natural talent, but also because of the uh, ability that they have to really think about the game and, and take their ability to the next level and work ethic as well. Uh, So I always want to wrap up with some baseball card talk. So you know I'm going to do that. I am going to highlight Griffin Conine's card because I know that Griffin strikes out. We're all aware of that. We talked about that on the podcast. The strikeout rate has continued to drop. And if you look at Griffin Conine's card on eBay right now, you can get his Bowman Chrome Auto for $15. Uh, I would do that. You know, you're talking about a guy who was second in the minor leagues in home runs last year, has posted the best zone contact rate of his career, has posted the highest on base percentage we've seen, continues to still hit for power with eight home runs already and more doubles than he's ever hit, more extra base hits than he's ever had on a per game basis. There's a lot to like here for a dude that puts up some of the best exit velos in the minor leagues. For $15 for his Bowman Chromato, it's a no-brainer in my opinion. Uh, another card that I am looking at big time right now that I'm trying to scoop up while I can is Gunnar Henderson. And I'm not sure if I've mentioned him on previous episodes, but Gunnar Henderson is a no-brainer buy. You could still find some Bowman Chromatos for under $100, but now the way he keeps performing, his cards are starting to push more towards the triple digits range. Still think it's a good, a good purchase. I think a Gunnar Henderson card is a good purchase anywhere below $125. And even then, I mean, his Bowman Chrome Auto at that price point is, is not bad because I really do think this guy's going to be a top 50 prospect by year's end and is an absolute stud 
who was just dealing with some swing inconsistencies, top half of his body, lower half of his body, upper body, lower body, were kind of out of sync at times. That is not the case anymore. And you can, again, find his cards on eBay for around $100. That is a no-brainer now that he has found a way to repeat his swing better, get his lower half more involved, and sync everything up a bit more effectively. One last name who I think is a pretty darn good purchase is Leover Paguero of the Pirates. And he's a prospect that you know I've treaded lightly on, not in a way of, of negativity, just in a way of I, I want to figure out a little bit more of, of what this guy's ceiling is, what his potential is. And uh, what I see is a plus hit tool, maybe even on the, on the borderline of plus plus uh, with the way he's able to just... Get the bat on ball and drive it to, you know, basically foul line to foul line. Uses the whole field really well. Uh, I'm a guy that always tries to maintain, though, that that walk rate uh, has to really be factored into hit tool because I think in today's game, it, it's so important, especially with how hard it is to consistently hit. Walk rate, for me, factors in to hit tool. So the thing that's holding him back from closer to that 70-grade hit tool is the 3.7% walk rate. But the Pirates prospect here is raking. 307, 335, 497 slash line. He's hitting for more power than I think many would have thought. 14 home runs last year. He has four this year, but he's also sprinkled in 14 doubles, four triples. So the extra base hits are there. He's stolen 11 bags. He doesn't strike out that much. Continues to get better in that department. I like Paguero a lot. No doubt sticking at shortstop. He is very solid there. And if the power continues to develop, could be a sneaky 2020 threat. I want to see some more walks, but his Bowman Chrome Auto right now on eBay is about $80. Uh, that's a no-brainer purchase for me as well. I've scooped up some Pagueros. I've seen some of his go for $55. Bucks. So, you know, it depends. You got to catch the right auction. I think 80 is actually an overshoot as I'm scrolling through eBay right now. I see 55 I see 70 I see 67 So you could probably get it closer to the $60 range. That is a great purchase for a guy who has a high floor that will definitely be a big leaguer. Will this one make you a billionaire? Probably not because, you know, his 100th percentile outcome may not be quite the 100th percentile outcome of even a Griffin Conine, though I would say Paguero is much more likely than most players, most prospects, to hit his 75th percentile outcome. And at that point, his Bowman Cromada will be worth more than $65. And uh, so it's a very safe, safe investment there. And a no-brainer on eBay, and there's plenty for sale right now on eBay. I also maintain that uh, the Pirates are going to be a sneaky good team in a couple years, and I think that will also help because Paguero should be a, a big part of that. And I know O'Neill Cruz is a factor here, and, and that will be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Uh, but if Paguero is hitting and playing good shortstop, I think the rest will kind of take care of itself, and Paguero will be a good big leaguer uh, and could be a very good big leaguer if he continues on this trajectory. Uh, very similar to Tim Anderson in some ways, better defender. Uh, obviously, Tim Anderson is as elite as it gets bat to ball wise, but uh, I think that's a, a, the kind of outcome you could you could wish for uh, on the high end with Leover Paguero. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the two interviews, and I look forward to talking prospects with you on Monday.